And my passion is to rid this great nation of America of soccer. In the U.S. is due in part to the influx of immigrants. Say, to I promise you, no American whose great grandfather was born here is watching soccer. Yeah, this is a waste of our time, energy, and resources. Niggas fighting over range, niggas won't be the game, but long live the chief. For a little old thing, little boys bang bang. Long live the chief. Niggas fighting over rang, niggas won't be the game, but long live the chief. Yeah, watch pretty mama while I slay my cane. Long live the chief. Uh, cockroaches in the racks. Uh, hand me downs with the patches. Mama put a little money in the match. I have a dream. Tell me how to make a silver spoon out of plastic. I will not rest. And so I see nothing but baseball, the last word, football, get the basketball, last and how they say you're better while you're dressing so classy. I don't want my best dressed day in a casket. You can either leave, follow, or get out the way. Make a Hello and welcome to GeleztraFootballOnBlondeOrder.com. This is your host, Gabe Lezra, from uh, a very, very hot Washington, D.C. But guess what? I think I'm joined by Evan Mateer, who is in an even hotter place than D.C. Evan, what's going on, buddy? It is like, I think it was 109 yesterday. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be above 105 every day in the 10-day forecast down here in Laredo. It is just, That's just brutal. nightmarish. It's, it is, is not, it is not June, people. It's not, it's not it's livable, not people. What's going on, everybody? Why are we living places like this? I mean, like, at least Kuwait has oil. <laughs> what is Laredo's experience for existing? I was, so I was away for Memorial Day weekend here in the States, and, uh, I uh, I recorded the post Champions League pocket. We'll talk about it, but obviously, as a Real Madrid fan, this is ecstatic shit for me. I recorded a, the post uh, Champions League podcast in my car outside with kind of spotty Wi-Fi, just because I needed air conditioning so badly. So really, really, really solid overall solid situation. But here's the thing: let's start this shit, Evan, because we have some very, very important news that we need to talk about. It's top line stuff here, because Evan, Lord forgive him, he is back on his bullshit. Old friend of the show, RG Stability, RG, RG, all time, all timer this weekend, all timer, Evan. If you want to go ahead and do the honors. Yeah, so hold on. I'm literally mouse disconnected, so I'm having trouble clicking on the actual thing. This is fun. This is good. This is really good. No, we'll keep this all in. We'll keep it all in because you know what? It's just out of respect to uh, Richie's ability. We need to we need to screw up ourselves because um. Well, look, I I I just you know fair warning, <laughs> fair warning. This this tweet is this is all time. It's Pantheon, and like really classic RG. Oh, here we go. All right. My mouse, my mouse works. Here we go. Fair warning to those who followed for the hashtag World Cup. One, this account is equivalent to a PhD seminar in football. You will learn more about the game here than any book, film, television program, or podcast. <laughs> Clearly, RG has not been listening to LFF, yeah, where yeah, you get on, only, only the best. Only the best football analysis. If 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 Registability's account is a PhD seminar, then this is like a, a postdoctoral fellowship. Yeah, seriously, man. What's going on? Or at least shout us out. We're your biggest fans. RG, come on, come on, let's explore. And then number two, I will tell you the truth, though you may not want to hear it. But here's the thing. I think he says that in his bio, so people should already know that. 
But yeah, his bio, his, I will tell yeah. you the truth, no matter how difficult it is to accept. Yeah, well, it's basically and the same thing, my guy. His truth involves $200 Ray-Bans, pocket squares. Dude, he has it pinned to his account. He has it pinned. Yep. This tweet is pinned to his the top of his thing. I yeah. can't. Well, I, mean, I used to think okay. that RG might be like an elaborate troll, but actually he's he's 100% not. I think he's 100% serious about, about, about this tweet. I mean, this account is equivalent. To a PhD but here, here's what's so fun. So, like, okay, so here, here is some of the analysis he's giving in the in the comments on this post. So, like, someone asks, "How do you rate England this World Cup?" This is what he gives them: dark horses. They have to qualify up front to go far. Like, what the fuck does that? They have to advance out of their group to go far. Is that what he's saying right there? They have the they, quality. quality up front. Oh, I'm misreading. Okay, but still, uh, it, but still, like, okay, yeah, fine. They have Harry Kane. They have like the best striker. Like this is it. He gives two lines of analysis. This is his PhD seminar. This is, this what we is got. really good. It's really good because he's like they're good up front, but the defense and midfield uh, don't. So like, right. it one line of their thing is good. The other two are bad. That's really I. You know what? That's fair. You know I. You know rethinking this. I I I now feel like I have a doctorate in football. Right. You now have a doctorate wherein if two thirds of your team is bad, you are not good. But if they play well then you are good. <laughs> Some of the replies to these are quite funny. I think that RG is widely known as one of the funniest accounts, just in terms of irony on, on football Twitter. But, you know, this is Pantheon. This is like all-time RG shit right here. This is like, I, I'm so glad. I mean, this sort of made my week that he tweeted this. Yeah, week. so like this guy. I don't understand this guy. Very, very angry stato. Boring. Please block me so I cannot see your pig-headed, arrogant, and clueless nonsense on my timeline. I have money to earn with my own statistics, mate. You know what? This is Whoa. a terrible take. This wow. is a bad wow. take. Wow. This is a bad take. Registability is giving us, at the very worst, a fuck ton of laughs. Yeah, He's and very free funny. PhD in football. I don't really know what, what this guy wants. Also, yeah. please block me is such a ridiculous thing. You can just block him, you know. That's well, that's how this stupid who, website works. The guy who's calling his Twitter feed his timeline clearly doesn't know how Twitter Strong works. Point. Strong point. Um, also, huge, huge news, folks, is um, it turns out that Sergio Ramos' flirtation with the world of music has become as 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 Evan, as you predicted, more than just a flirtation. And now I think he's in basically a serious relationship with it. After, you know, winning the Champions League and all this, Sergio Ramos has released a song about Spain's World Cup campaign. And here's what I'll say. He's doing it with a Spanish pop singer, and it is way better than his rap. It's still not great. It's just still not good. And <laughs> it's, it's still not great. This, this just – so the, the, before it was speculation, but now it is just certain that an album's coming. Mm-hmm. He's going to yeah. drop a whole album. And then we'll do the whole album. I actually, Evan, just FYI, I told Keon on the show that apparently there's a documentary on Netflix about Kareem Benzema. So <laughs> that's also going to be Whoa. awful. I'm saying that, that is amazing. That, that might be a movie episode for this summer. That and um, and Goal are our two we movie episodes. God, we've been we've been committing to doing Goal for a long time. That's going to be fun. But the Benzema documentary is it like is it like a celebratory like oh, the, life, no the life and times of Benzema? Oh, I have no idea. I hope so. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the only like it, it, it would be so cool if it was Does it just, include like all of the like illicit just, like all the fraud and, and shit long. that he was when he was like on the Crips. 
<laughs> he's like on the fringes of a bunch of international money laundering. <laughs> he's like, yeah, bitch, I got away with the check out my house <laughs> and my Bugatti, which we know he God, drives. He's so cool, though. He's so cool. He's so cool. I dress like a Miami 1970s Miami drug dealer. And I'm yeah, cool. I'm somehow he pulls it off. No, he does it. <laughs> I'll play the Sergio Ramos song now. Vamos, Twenty seconds of this song. I mean, again, I think it is marginally better than his rap. Ever. You know what? You know what I was thinking is that if if Ramos was as cool as Benzema, I would buy this whole thing a lot more. But he's not. He's not. I wish Benzema would release an album. I bet. Right. So like, you know, yeah, fuck, I bet he would. I bet he will. I bet he will. That's who need to drop a rap. Yeah. You want to hear first though, folks? I, I think Korean Benzema is gonna. He's gonna drop an album. He's gonna drop an album. Um. All right. So in in, in real news. Um, not, not, uh, us making fun of players doing soccer or doing, uh, oh, sh- uh, doing music, uh, <laughs> real, real news. Uh, we have, uh, some one important game over the weekend, Evan. And in, in case you are following this show and didn't notice it, you should probably rethink your, why you're listening to us. I mean, we are funny. It is worth it, but. Look, the Champions League final was this weekend, Evan, and um, yeah, that happened. Real Madrid taking down Liverpool 3-1. to one. Um, Madrid is uh, officially back-to-back-to-back champions. This is – this. I mean, look, this is a dynasty, modern dynasty. I don't really know how to get into – I don't know, like, if you're interested in getting into this, but it's it's an incredible time to, to witness this Real Madrid team because they – I mean, a lot like Jordan's Bulls, they they just sort of find a way to win every single one of these games. And, you know, Zidane himself, as a coach, never been knocked out of the Champions League. That's I mean, a ridiculous stat. Never. That's such, such a stupid stat. So I mean, not stupid, not a stupid sense of useless. Like, it just right. shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's stupid, ridiculous. He stupid, is- ridiculous, and insane. Um, yeah, I mean, like legacy wise, I think you're completely right that there's, there's no other word to use than dynasty. And I, I don't really know, I guess that that's not, like the word dynasty. I don't think it's used in the European context too much, but I don't know. I don't read like a ton of European media, sports no, media. It, it, it's rarely used. Um, that's because to be frank, it, it is actually pretty rare that there are real European dynasties. I think. Like, well, well there's, it's rare that there's dynasties in the European, like in the European cups, right, like there's true. dynasties all the time in the domestic leagues, but just kind of expect like, it's how the domestic leagues are is, right. you know, teams mop up over time and, you know, Barcelona has their up years and, and Madrid has their up years and, you know, and, and they go back and forth. What's crazy about this is how Madrid has done this while being relatively disappointing right. uh, in the domestic league. That, that's the, that, so like in terms of legacy, like that's what, what the legacy of this team is that it's fucking weird. Um, in that they they you keep they're dominant right there's no other way to say it other than that they've been dominant in european context and just in in terms of domestic league and domestic cup have been a mixed bag pedestrian they i mean obviously they won the liga last year and they won the liga in the air they won the copa in in the in in the 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 first of these uh four four uh champions league years but really other than that i mean if you uh, one of the things that I heard that I think is is something that 
I mean, okay, so Meltdown May, it's been great. Um, the newest person to join Meltdown May is Carlos Puyol, who uh, had an absolute meltdown after Real Madrid won the Champions League, going on Twitter to just talk about how it's ridiculous that, you know, congratulations, but Barcelona really needs to change their, think about whether their philosophy is working when Madrid has won back-to-back-to-back Champions Leagues and, you know, went on a long meltdown about, uh, how how Barcelona how good Barcelona is how much better they are than Real Madrid but they just aren't thinking of, you know strategically about using their players and one of the stats that you know people brought up to him was uh, over the last five years Real Madrid has made the final of the Copa del Rey or Copa del Rey one time uh, and won it mm. but they haven't made the final any other year and. Barcelona has made the final of the Champions League one year and won it, but Madrid has made the final of the Champions League four years and won it, and the and Barcelona has not even made the semifinals of the Champions League other than the one year that they won it. So Barcelona won the Copa a lot. It's not I don't think it's a direct correlation, but Piquet's meltdown did lead to a lot of people asking whether the every year going for the treble is part of why Barcelona has failed on an, on a European level. And I don't think that's why personally, <laughs> I think that you, every team goes to the treble all the time, but you know, if you, I mean, one of the things that you can just say about how they've done in Europe is that they choked every yeah. year. They choke. I mean, like and choking, isn't a function of tiredness. It's a function function of mental preparedness and Messi and company went into that game in Rome and thought, look, we're we have a huge lead. There's no way they're going to come back. And you know, they basically didn't have a mental game plan prepared for the unlikely, admittedly, scenario that Roma began to score a lot of goals on them. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's 100 percent right. And um, and I mean, like, it 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 just it, with with the European Cups, it makes a lot more sense to start making analogies to American sports just because of how it resembles American playoffs. And, you know, there, we've seen a million times in, 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 yeah, uh, in American playoffs teams that are, you know, in American sports teams that are great regular season teams that just choke it up in the playoffs right. and just, you just can't get out of their own way. Houston um, Rockets. Yeah. Sorry, Houston Rockets. Guys. And we, and we've seen players who aren't good in knockout situations. You know, James Harden, and Chris Paul on the Rockets are great examples. And, and I mean, we fuck, we just saw it last night. Yep, we did. Um, with, you know, over the, 27 from three in a row over 27, right. That, that is a mental game. Like those guys yeah. are capable of hitting, you know, 20% of those shots. Like they know, you know, from a skill standpoint, they should never be going right. for 20. And if they had just hit, you know, five of Two. those threes, they yeah. won the game probably. They win the game. And, and it's just like, they missed the first few and then they're in their own head yeah. and the weight of the moment starts to really hit them. Yeah. And it, it, it's just, you know, you just have to ask the question about Barcelona. If it's the same thing, right. If it's the weight of the moment hits them, the sec when Roma puts in a couple goals and it's yeah. like, holy shit, maybe they can do this. Well, historically uh, Barcelona has, has been a team that does seem to, to do well when they are, I mean, this is maybe maybe this is you know kind of oxymoronic, but they do well when they're, they're or, you know do well when they're doing well when they're playing well and when they when the other team isn't you know putting you know a ton of pressure on them they tend to be a team that wins the game. But as soon as things start to go wrong, I and look. I mean, look, I'm a Real Madrid fan. Obviously, I'm going to say stuff like that. So happily, you know, get at me if you're one of our our listeners. But I 
when I look at this team, that is the defining characteristic of this Real Madrid team is that they uh, essentially are ice cold when it comes to these situations. And they just look at that Ronaldo penalty against Juventus. People forget how impossibly hard that shot was. That is, you know, uh, that's the kind of thing where I, I can't even. It's, that is the Michael Jordan shot in mm-hmm. you know in 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 the in eighty nine. That is an impossibly hard shot to take. You go up after a five minute delay because the entire Juventus team was trying to fight the referee. Uh, Gigi Buffon gets ejected. You know that if you miss it, this shit's going to extra time, and your team has not looked good. The only thing you can do is bury that penalty. I think a lot of players missed that just because of the nerves of that situation. And Cristiano Ronaldo just take goes up and incredibly calmly. I've never in my life made the comparison like this before, but until then I watched that, that looked, that looked like Michael. Like I, mm-hmm. I thought of Michael Jordan when I saw that penalty because like ice cold to take that in that situation is absolutely ice cold. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and this is the type of thing where the squad's experience in those types of situations just builds on itself, right? It ends up being a feedback loop where the more you faced that adversity in the knockout tournaments, the better you are dealing with that kind of pressure. Um, And there's just, it would be insane to try to question that Madrid is just at a different level with respect to every other team in Europe when it comes to dealing with the pressure of knockout tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Let's quickly talk about. I mean, there is only one thing to talk about. Ronaldo. Space and room for Ronaldo to try and maneuver an opening. Marcelo. He's got three to pick out. It's the spectacular. It's Gareth Bale. Wonderful goal. Sensational from Gareth Bale. Ronaldo's done it for Real in the Champions League this season. And in the final, it's the Welsh international Gareth Bale. Just on as a substitute. And a goal of outstanding quality to put Real back in front. Gareth Bale's goal. Evan, um, best goal of all time? So here's where I'm at with it. I'm at two places. I'm down to two goals, and they're both bicycle kicks, and they're both two of my favorite players. And one is this Bale goal, and here's what it has going for it. The technique is beautiful, It's, it, but what it really has going for it is the context, right? The the, right. the go-ahead goal, Champions League final. The winner. Like just huge. The winner. But God damn it, this Latin bicycle kick from like 20 oh, yards yeah. out. <laughs> Jesus God, Christ. Like that thing's so fucking stupid. And so I have a... That's still my favorite goal of all time, I think. But this is yeah. – it, it's just good God. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you have to go watch it. It's uh, 
I mean, look, it's there's there's nothing there. The superlatives fail me to describe the Bale goal. I mean, it to me is the best. Or I think it's overall the best goal scored in the Champions League ever. It it won the game for Real Madrid. It just so and uh, the what I compare it to is Zidane's volley in Hampton Park to win the game against uh, 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 the win the Champions League. Also, it's mm-hmm. and Zidane's volley for a long time had to me been the unquestioned best goal in the history of the Champions League, and and this I think tops it just because it's the same content every time everyone brought up any other goal. Oh, Messi did this. Oh, Ronaldo did this. I would always say yeah, but Zidane's was to win the Champions League. Yeah. Well. Bales was to win the Champions League as well. And a and it, fucking bicycle kick. It was a bicycle kick. It, it is incredible. <laughs> it, was, it was it was messed messed up how good that goal was. Um, and it was just I mean like it's it's a incredible moment of grace and beauty and athleticism and power all mixed into one in a game that was choppy and and otherwise devoid of all of the things that I just said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but I mean, look, the, the other two goals, right. For Real Madrid, Benzema, obviously, I mean, I think people aren't giving him enough credit for pouncing. I don't know if you, you, uh, you know, uh, saw everything that went into that, but Benzema essentially tricked Karius into thinking he was, uh, he was giving up on the play and running back. Uh, and he turned, jogged a couple paces. Then you can see him cock his head back to see what Karius is doing. Karius begins his throwing motion. Benzema whips around and sticks his foot out. And yeah. I think that that's, that's just a brilliant piece of, of gamesmanship, a great piece. I mean, like, it's a classic Real Madrid goal. Raul used to score shit like that all the time where he would go in behind and intercept a pass back to a keeper or intercept a keeper's pass. Like, this is a classic Real Madrid goal. And, I mean... It just underscores how important Benzema has been to this team, I think. He he's so good at this. Man, Carrius is bad too. That's <laughs> bad. I mean, bad. The, what really was bad for Carrius, that I think was a was as much Benzema being good as Carrius being bad. But my oh my was he bad on that Bale goal. The third yeah. goal, Bale shot from maybe 40 meters out. I mean, yeah, the the ball was jumping around in the air a little bit, but any you have to expect that any goalie, you know, any keeper uh, that is even remotely replacement level, right? In yeah. in the top flight, will stop someone, that maybe, shot. Maybe someone like Simon Mignolet. Yeah, maybe someone <laughs> like Simon Mignolet uh, would stop that shot. And instead, it's parried into his own net, sealing the win for Real Madrid. Um, I think yeah. the other. Let, so let's just let's go ahead and talk yeah. about the other main talking point of this, which I I really wanted to um to get into because I think it's quite funny. Um, so, and I just want to know what you thought about this. Do you think Sergio Ramos is the incarnation of Satan on earth and responsible likely for the, uh, death of all humanity? So I feel like two things can be true at the same time. One is that like Sergio Ramos is like a little bit dirty. Yeah. Like he's look, he's, he's a little bit dirty. He is. Um, and he definitely was trying to be physical and take his shots when he could and also, neither one of those incidents was, like, really actually that bad. No, yeah, okay. So can I just – I'm going to do my thing on this because I've been trying to explain this to people for a while and I finally have a platform. But here's what Sergio Ramos has been – has been this is learned behavior and he's been taught to do because – check it out. Guess who Sergio Ramos has learned his career to defend against? 
It's Lionel Messi. And the way to play someone like Lionel Messi, and by someone like Lionel Messi, I mean literally Lionel Messi, but before him, Ronaldinho also, uh, are these kind of smaller skill players who enjoy having time on the ball and enjoy being able to dance between defenders. There's a way to play against them. Hit them. You hit them and you hit them hard. And it is a un. Uh, this is a physical game where you are allowed to use your body as long as you're not trying to actually, you know, make it dangerous. But you are allowed to body people off the ball. And part of playing against someone that talented is using your body and arguably doing it in a way that will shake them up. I mean, I remember these games where Ronaldinho especially was vulnerable to this. If you hit him, one guy hit him really hard at the beginning of the game. Maybe you both go up for a header, but you don't really try to hit it, and you just jackknife him. Which is, but if you look at these matches, people do play to players all the time. He would have a worse game just because he was worried about getting bodied around. Well, I think that Ramos with Salah went out to say, look, this guy incredibly skilled reminds me the closest player that was I've ever seen reminded me of Messi. So what, how do you play against Messi? You hit him and you hit him hard. I, I don't, I, and I don't think it's the, I don't think he's a bad person for doing it. I don't think, in fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing of the way Sergio Ramos played Messi or played yeah. Salah. And like, if we're, if like you take the Salah tackle when he kind of shoulder checked him a little bit, uh, when they were both going for the ball. And if you take out the injury that did happen, you would just say, oh, he was just being physical with Salah, and this makes sense. Right. And there's this weird idea out there that somehow Ramos knew that if he held Salah's arm in a certain <laughs> way, Salah would fall in a certain way and dislocate his the other. Let's be clear. He would dislocate the other arm because the that was the one arm. that got dislocated. I mean, And it's just the craziest shit. Like they got tangled up in the course of the tackle and Salah went down and hit his shoulder like that. Like that shit like that happens. And so, you know, there was nothing especially egregious about that particular hit. It was a physical play, a right. person hit the deck, and anytime you hit the deck, there's a chance you get injured. That's right. And I, I would add, um, if you, I mean, just look at the play again, because Salah also, I mean, like, as a good player does, was using his own body in the tackle as well. Like, he saw and felt Sergio mm-hmm. Ramos coming in, so he leans down and gets his arm locked in there trying to force Sergio Ramos off the ball because that's the correct way to receive a pass. And then they mm-hmm. both go down. I mean, I've seen that type of tackle a billion times, and I've seen no one get injured. I've seen both players get injured, and I've seen – I mean, come on. I heard the uproar about the Salah tackle long before I saw the play because um, I was, like, in the wilderness this weekend, and sure. I couldn't really watch a video. So I like, watched it this afternoon getting ready for the show, and I was so – so underwhelmed with what I actually saw in the tackle. Like, there's just not much in it. it yeah. I, I was expecting like some big crashing shoulder check or something like that. Um, and no, they like both of them got tangled up trying to challenge for the ball. It, so, so what silly. you're saying is you would um, dismiss the lawsuit of people for, for, of for, Egypt yep. <laughs> and this one guy versus Sergio Ramos. Well, you know, if it even got past 12B1 for jurisdiction or, uh, you know, 12B2 for standing, it certainly wouldn't make it past 12B6 for failure to state a claim. We are fucking 
nerds. We are nerds, but we're also talking about a very real lawsuit that was apparently filed by an Egyptian lawyer slash billionaire against Sergio Ramos. It does not specify what court this man sued him in. Uh, And yeah, saying basically that, and I'm just going to start, I mean... (laughs) Basically, that uh, Sergio Ramos caused the people of e- the people of Egypt and Mohammed Salah emotional and physical injury uh, intentionally. Um, yeah, man. Uh, well, un- unfortunately for him, this is not a uh, particularized injury, and so cannot give him Article uh, <laughs> Article Three standing under the case of controversy clause, and so he's going to get kicked out uh, for a uh, for a lack of standing. I have no idea even what court he's suing in. Like, I, I guess somewhere in Egypt, probably, right? I can you imagine if uh, the Egyptian judge is so angry about it that he, well, uh, yeah, he, that just, he just grants it anyway? Right, because I don't think Egypt gives too much of a fuck about rule of law. Yeah, no, um, it can't. Like, it, doesn't, right. doesn't, it doesn't seem to. And so, what? <laughs> if, so what if the judge is just like he just like sentenced <laughs> Ramos to death? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think that Sergio Ramos would simply not ever go to Egypt. <laughs> never go to Egypt, but and gives Which like a billion bad, dollar judgment, know? and it's just like they start trying to like enforce this judgment on like Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> it would be awesome. It would look. It would be objectively cool if all that happened. But yeah, it's an insane thing to do. Another insane thing to do is um, the five hundred thousand people plus who have signed a petition to. Uh, to FIFA, it's kind of strange uh, to uh, somehow uh, 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 harm, I'm sorry, somehow punish Sergio Ramos for this. It's not obvious what exactly they're asking for, but here, here are some, here are some really all, all time, really great quotes from it. Um, and again, I just want to under, underscore, this is um, 400,000, almost 500,000 people have signed this. Let's be clear, though, Evan. To be fair, the population of Egypt is nine point. There are ninety six million people. Yeah, it's a big, big fucking country. So if I mean that, that's not even close to the top of the and of the and president. and take up the the probably millions of Liverpool fans around the world. Those decrepit well, creatures. Point. So maybe a hundred and five million people, but like. <laughs> That's only 500K. Um, Here's some quotes from the petition. Sergio Ramos intentionally kept Mohamed Salah's arm under his armpit, causing dislocation of his shoulder. Not only other shoulder, wrong shoulder, but not. So and here's the funny thing. It's um, a subject uh, of verb disagreement here. And so listen to this. Uh, Intentionally kept Mohamed Salah's arm under his armpit, causing dislocation of the shoulder. Not only missing the rest of the game, but also missing the FIFA World Cup. That implies, my friend, that Sergio Ramos is going to miss the FIFA World Cup, not Mohamed Salah. That is a incorrect grammatically. But I will also say this, Evan: Mohamed Salah is not going to miss the World Cup. The most recent reporting says that this this is a minor injury, and dislocating your shoulder basically has two outcomes: one is that there's some sort of bone or cartilage damage, and the other that it's there's some sort of sprain, and it appears to be a sprain. So yeah, yeah, he's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. In addition, he kept acting that Liverpool players fouled him falsely, causing the referee to give Sadio Mane a yellow card he did not deserve. That's, yeah, that's man, he is give him the guillotine for that one, I think. It's very strange. Give him the guillotine. Um, Sergio Ramos represents an awful example for future generations of football players. Instead of winning matches fairly, he uses tricks that defy the spirit of the game and fair play. Did uh, <laughs> did, 
I, I, I mean, I guess defending is something of a trick. It's a secret trick for winning football matches. It's really rude. It's one key hack. It's, it's, <laughs> this is, what, here are four life hacks to uh, actually winning the World Cup, which is uh, no one else knows about. One, defend. Don't <laughs> let the other team score on your empty net every time. Right. Huge. The uh the the correct and beautiful way to play the game is to allow the opposing forward yeah, forward this is to actually receive passes. Under under reported part of this petition is that actually this isn't just about Sergio Ramos. It's <laughs> it says UEFA and FIFA must take measures against Ramos and similar players. Do do you think that the similar players are called center backs? Yeah, I think that this is a petition saying uh, that all defenders should be sanctioned. Right. That would rule, actually. I would watch that World Cup. Yeah, what if what if, <laughs> what if you make – I mean, it, it, this is less fixed football. So imagine – I can imagine like some American trying to trying to increase the scoring in football, which the Americans always want to do, and have some rule of like only ever like two defenders at any given time in the penalty box. <laughs> That's a classic thing. Of course, like that's so cool. Yeah, uh, get rid of the offsides rule. Plus, only two defenders uh, are only two uh, players of make the penalty box smaller, but only two players are allowed in it of the of one of the defending team. Yeah, the goalie and one guy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's classic. Um, the other the other outstanding Sergio Ramos incident involved um, a. Moment where uh, he somehow apparently or allegedly crashed into uh, Karius. Um, but yeah, UEFA has investigated that incident and decided that Virgil van Dijk actually shoved Ramos into Karius. And if you watch the video, that's actually quite obvious. But apparently Liverpool fans had also managed to petition that he be uh, successfully petitioned that he be um, uh, 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 punished for that incident as well. Uh, obviously, um, that's what happened. I mean, like he did—he did crash into Karius. You can see it, and then Karius is like holding his face, like what happened. But you can also see very clearly Virgil Van Dyke smash into Sergio Ramos. So, yeah, um, yeah, there wasn't much in that for me either. Yeah, is is all, all a lot of whining by Liverpool, who frankly just got muscled about the pitch. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Liverpool fans, you can start listening now because I think we're basically done talking about the match. Um, I will say that Real Madrid, in my view, uh, got a lot better when as the game went on. Not be, not necessarily, but not only because of the Salah injury, but um, also because Zidane kind of adapted his tactics and because I think Liverpool – and this is – we talked about, Evan. When, when your big – when your player goes down, your best player – experienced teams are able to rally and figure out a way to get back or continue the pace that they'd been bringing into the game. I I feel very strongly that if Real Madrid had seen Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo go down, they would have been able to uh, continue and produce a high level match that would have, could have won the game. Right. But as soon as uh, Salah went down, you got the sense that the entire Liverpool side had kind of got gutted and that's when Madrid began to really grow into the game. Now, I would have predicted the way I predicted the match going was Liverpool kind of dominating the first 25 to 30 minutes anyways and then Madrid growing and growing into the match because that's sort of the way Madrid has always played these matches, but you know, this one was particularly marked by the Salah departure when Liverpool really did just 
kind of kind of really struggle at that point. Um, yeah, it also kind of helps when you can bring one Gareth F. Bale off the uh, <laughs> off the bench. I mean, and score the greatest goal in the history of the Champions League. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't get over it, folks. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. Um, oh, well, yeah. So that's I mean, Real so, Madrid. I mean, the thing is that Bale couldn't start, and I wonder if Bale would start on the just uh, the the newly revealed twenty uh, three man roster for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, I wonder. It's interesting because they are going to Russia, and as that one guy replying to Donald Trump said, they're very likely to win. I mean, we have to break down the roster. We have to talk about who made it, who was right. snubbed. I can't believe um, that they didn't take um, Cristiano Ronaldo on the roster. It's all upsetting, but I mean, I'm just sad that you know Clint Dempsey is uh, oh, you know gonna yeah, get one it. more run out. One more time, you know, and and in all seriousness, you know that they would have brought all those guys. Oh yeah, no, if they like, made it. No matter who, <laughs> no matter who played to in qualifying, like they could have played this youth roster in qualifying. They could have won, you know, spanked Trinidad and Tobago five nothing to qualify, and we still would like they probably would have brought Landon Donovan out of retirement. For one, <laughs> Michael Bradley, Landon Donovan, and Clint Dempsey starting for your U.S. men's national team in Russia, twenty eighteen. God, I hope none of them ever play again. <laughs> oh, that was it's it just objectively. I'm sorry. It's just it's it is quite funny. I uh, um yes, obviously the US national team is not going to Russia. We'll be doing more U, uh, World Cup coverage soon, but the US men's national team did play a friendly um yesterday where they ran out a lineup that literally we have been asking for since Months ago, average age of the lineup, 22 years, 160 days, featuring my man, my man, Timothy Weah. Oh, oh, so good. I'm so obsessed with them. Um, PSG uh, uh, product, Timothy Weah, who's a uh, son of George Weah, who is um, the great American player from uh, – or great uh, great player from the, the only African Ballon d'Or winner ever – uh, his son, yes, is an American I mean, citizen. Well, he's, he's now he, officially capped for the U.S. men's national team, so we got him. 18, cap tied, just made his first, uh, his full club debut for uh, debut for PSG. For PSG. Um, like, good God. That is exciting. George Sargent also. Side, uh, Sargent in the side. Sargent's with Brem, uh, Bremen, I think, yeah. in Bundesliga. He wasn't able to play any professional matches this year because of his birth year um, but he but, will guys but he will and he, and he's he's uh you know he's supposed to be you know if he continues to develop he's you know reported to be very good and, and going to be getting Bundesliga minute minutes well he um, was did you see his goal yeah it was so his goal was uh the uh, I think it was Peruvian goalkeeper tried to lob the ball over him to uh to his right back and Sargent took two steps, whipped around, whipped his leg up, kicked the ball over his own head, spun back around, and one touch controlled it and was able to shoot and score. It was a absolute thing of beauty. I mean, it was bad keeping, but it was a thing of beauty from Sargent. It was incredible. And Wea's goal was also incredible. It was a great team effort, and Wea yep. streaking in from the sideline, knocking that in perfectly. Classic uh, wing striker finish. I'm I'm so fucking excited for this team, Evan. They're they so, gonna be so I mean, goddamn good. 
I mean, if we go back and listen to all those terrible months ago to our breakdown of the Trinidad and Tobago match, and even before that, the Honduras match, it was all about how lethargic the U.S. looked and how flat they looked. Yeah. And there was no movement and there was no passion yeah. and no one looked like they cared. And then this team had all the youthful energy of a bunch of people with a lot to prove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, who just yeah. were fucking they wanted to play like they just they wanted to go and they wanted to run and they wanted to go at them and they wanted to play and it was so refreshing to see um and to see it pay off for them too i wouldn't have cared if they had gone out and tried all this shit and lost one you know one nothing it wouldn't have been that big no, a deal who no. cares but to see them go out and win three nothing yeah, and yeah, be rewarded yeah. for all that ever just awesome oh, i'm so i'm just i am I'm so excited the guy who scored the first goal like whose name escapes me right now 25 which means he'll be 29 by the time 2022 runs around right in his prime right ready yep. to captain that team <laughs> this team low-key i think the united states uh right now i'm saying right now i think the united states united states quarterfinalists at uh 2022 Ooh. world cup yeah i mean that's i mean I can certainly see the path, right? You can see the mix of veteran presence and, you know, young stars who are going to be right. I mean, you were talking about Pulisic, 23, 24 for the next World Cup, like right in that window. So is Um, is Wea. Like, yeah, these guys right in their athletic prime. And and having had four this, seasons to develop in in you know top European leagues. Ta- talking about exciting. this, Evan, I've ne- I've only talked about one team like this before, and that's the Spain team that got eliminated from uh, the uh, 2006 World Cup because Mm-mm. I was looking at that generation of players and I was like, man, 2010, 2010 is Spain's year. I don't know if they'll win it, but they're going to do something. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking at this U.S. team, and it's I'm salivating over it. I don't. I mean, I have higher expectations for Spain, obviously, but so the man, talent level is just oh higher, man, but... is the talent level high, talent level high on this U.S. Yeah. team? Yeah, I mean, just just the technical talent between like Wea and Pulisic is is an entire league above what the last generation of American players had. Um, you know, Dempsey and outdoor, they put together pretty good careers. They're very, you know, good athletic players, but they, they, their skill level is just not, it's just not even the same conversation. Yeah. I'm, I am, I am really psyched. I'm so psyched. I really like it. Um, all right. Let's say, uh, we have been recording for 40 minutes. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, so I had been planning to write an article about how different nations use sports. Uh, to kind of exercise diplomatic soft power. Um, and I've decided not to write that article now, not because, not just because of this, but because of a couple other things. But I will say this. Um, there's a great article up right now, I think, on ESPN FC, and I wanted to just talk about it because obviously I, um, I've also been thinking for a long time about writing this, writing this exact article. And this, I'm not saying he bet, beat me to it, but I'm saying that I think that what I would have written is a little bit more into the Qatari side of this, but this is a so this is um, by um, Matt Scott at ESPN FC. We can uh, link to it, um, and the title is uh, "Soccer is Becoming Political Arena as Infantino and Ventino FIFA Court Outside Money." Basically. This is that title is not great, but Matt does an incredible, incredible job of breaking down all the different monetary interests in this sport. And a lot of them are uh, national and uh, uh, national governments and 
NGOs trying to or, or like international corporations trying to kind of launder. I, I call it launder, but really it's just like clean up their image. And I know we talked a little bit about this with Ernesto, Evan, but one of the things that I was really interested in is the way countries have, at least some of these countries have turned to using sport itself as a mechanism of projecting their sort of soft soft power. And we talk about soft power, right? As if you want to, I don't know if you want to describe that um, or, or, or give a, give a brief explanation of how you view what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, hard power is like military power. It's, you know, the ability to break things. Soft power is like economic or cultural power. And it's the ability to, you know, influence people and, and just, you know, convince them without shooting at them to, right. to, to take actions that, you know, that you want them to take. So, um, so, yeah, go ahead. My no, so my article focused a lot on the interlocking two interlocking things. One of them was the campaign by some of the Gulf Coast countries to kind of marginalize Qatar as a country heading into well over the last 10 years or so as the country's been you know undergoing some different changes and then Qatar's response which has been a multifaceted response that doesn't just involve sports, but does involve a lot of investment in sports. So, um, you know, UAE, Saudi, Egypt, uh, in, in, in 2017 took the first really concrete kind of hard power step of totally shutting down the borders with Qatar and, and ending all trade and, you know, basically not flying any of their planes over Qatar, uh, uh, Qatari airspace, that kind of stuff. Um, and there was this conglomeration and, and, and the reason they gave for it was Qatar's support of, you know, what they, what they deem terrorist organizations, or at least, uh, organizations linked to, for example, the Muslim brotherhood after the Arab spring. So, the, you know, all of that aside, um, Qatar has been trying to respond to that type of action and, and, and the open hostility of some of its neighbors that it actually really does rely on because a lot of its food and stuff comes over the Saudi border uh, through a, through uh, an attempt to exercise and, and you know in order to respond to that they've been using sports and uh, trying to project Qatar as a friendly welcoming and open country that, doesn't do any of the stuff that the Saudis are saying they do. Uh, and, you know, I think, Evan, it's been sort of working. I mean, Qatar has had some some setbacks <laughs> with, with I think, uh, a, the well-reported bribery scandal in FIFA, and, and they're in the middle of that, and then the well-reported uh, 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 their well-reported issues with, you know, basically human slavery and the kafala system to build their stadiums for the World Cup. I, I mean, look, I'm fascinated with this. This is a great article that goes into all the different interests, but, uh, they've, they've used, uh, sport as a means of trying to blunt some of the criticism that's coming from the, uh, the Saudi coalition. Yeah, and I, I think that they've they've done that, and they and I think that it's really important to see how sport plays into like a a a, a whole like a full spectrum soft power push by both Qatar and the UAE, right? So right. it's like it's their it's also their airlines, right? It's Qatar right. Air and, and and Emirates Airways and and Etihad. You know, it's 
you, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's the tourism promotion of trying right. to get people to go to places like Dubai or, or Doha, right. you know, it all interacts together just to get you, uh, you know, whoever you are in the world, decision maker, consumer, voter, very comfortable with cutter. Right. Um, and you know, the more you see, you know, the, the more you see them in a pot, you know, in, in these positive associations like soccer or, you know, travel international travel whatever the ice cubes three on three basketball league (laughs) that too um you know the better off the better off they are right um and you know that's the whole plan with you know being sports and and saudi arabia is i think from a geopolitical sense very wise to try to count you know get in that game too um since this is kind of where this is where a lot of you know a lot of postmodern you know, politics is to international politics taking place, right? We're kind of, we're, we're in an age where there's not really a lot of like, you know, maybe a hundred years ago, instead of doing this soft power blockade against Qatar, Saudi Arabia were just fucking invaded Qutter. Right. Um, right. Like that's not the world they're operating in. That's not something that the rest of the world would permit, but they will permit them to just systematically pirate be in sports right. with a outfit called be out Q uh, <laughs> and just try to suck that, get that goodwill away and give it away for free. Um, so like this is just kind of how it happens. Uh, and I think we have to, you have to kind of accept the two things. One is that countries are going to do this. And then two, that FIFA doesn't necessarily have to like fucking play along. Right. Exactly. And like, that's the gross part about this is that FIFA really is just stepping up to the play and be like, well, if you want to throw money at us, we don't really care what your intentions are. FIFA, FIFA reminds me a lot of, I don't know. People should watch. It's always sunny, but there's an incredible episode of it's always sunny where the gang sort of splits into different factions trying to, you know, do different things, get the different things done. And uh, <laughs> Mac um, uh, kind of goes between both sections as kind of a as, as a double agent. But what he says to everybody is, I'm a double agent. I am playing both sides. So that way I always win. And the answer is always like, why are you telling me that you're playing both sides? Now I'm not going to trust you. Hey, can I talk to you for a second? Uh, yeah, hey. Hey, um, <clears throat> I came up with a really great idea, dude. Yeah? I'm going to play both sides. Why would you tell me that? Should I not have? Probably shouldn't, because if you're trying to keep a secret from me, well, now I know. I should have. Should I tell them? No, I don't think you should tell either side, because if you're trying to play both sides and they both know, you're not playing anybody. What should I do now? I don't, I don't give a shit. Why are you here? Right? D, quickly, we don't have much time. Charlie and I doctored a paternity test to make it look like Frank is Charlie's dad. The reason I'm telling you all this is because I'm playing both sides so that I always come out on top. So, with this information, I'm going to leverage you guys into making me the head of security at the new Patty's Pub. Mm. Uh, okay, okay, a couple things right off the bat there, pal. Number one, um, never tell one side that you're playing both sides. Yeah. And number two, if you are going to play both sides, don't give away the information before you get what you want. Oh, shit. Right. Don't give away the information. But that's exactly what FIFA's doing. They're going in, they're playing both sides, and that they're giving contracts to be in sports to broadcast all of their shit, but also, like, taking tons of money from from the Emirates and and Saudi and and all these players. They're playing both sides. Or, like, put it this way, right? So you've got the U.S. is not down with the Qatar bid. They're not down with a lot of what Qatar's doing in sport. Um, They keep arresting anyone they can get their hands on. Um, But... 
you know, the and and so you've got the U.S. kind of in an oppositional adversarial position with respect to Qatar and Qatar supporters in this. And you have FIFA literally playing both sides there by having kind of two simultaneous plans to raise a shit ton of money. One is the, you know, United bid uh, from North America right, to try to raise right. $11 billion. And the other is, you know, the various reforms to the World League and everything else, which a lot of Middle Eastern interests are invested in. And, and so they, are, they just tossing it out there. Our good friend, Alexi Lalas, uh, had had something to say about it, but uh, uh, his was his was kind of a shitty dad joke about it, which I'll, I'll just really quickly uh, pull up. He said, if you created a 16 European ultra mega super max league TM with home away 30 game red red season, who would you pick? Um, so basically, he's trying to generate content and clicks based on the theoretic uh, theory of a, a European Super League. Sorry, go ahead. I just want to shout out Alexi. Come on, come on, let's do football, Alexi. Yeah. We love you. I mean, I, I guess my only point was that like FIFA is literally trying to find ways to raise money from sort of both political blocks here. Right. Uh, on one side, the United bid of the USA, Mexico, Canada, which kind of represents very much the Western European orientation towards sports, and then the other, the kind of developing world power politics block of you know Qatar slash right. Saudi Arabia, um, who are you know, and Russia and, you know, just, you know, just squeezing a lot of money out of that corrupt lemon too. Right. So, uh, that's sort of where, where we are. I just published a, a piece on Bell and Dorder, Evan. We can talk about it next week. We also obviously have to talk about world cup. We have, um, an entire episode to do about the world cup. Obviously we have movie episodes coming up. Um, one thing I do want to shout out and, and, and prep everyone for is, there's going to be a significant amount of talk of hairstyles, just FYI. Like, this isn't a grooming podcast, but we're going to get into talking about people's hair because – Yeah, and, and like no apology either. Like one of the most important parts of any world, watching any World Cup is taking notice of the hair. The hair is done deliberately. It's done to catch your attention. We're going to give it its attention that it deserves and tell you when it's fucking awful. Yeah, and just a preview, I've got – I don't mean to pick on the Brazilians, but top two worst hairstyles ever for World Cup. Number one, or number two, Neymar in uh, 20, I, 2014 when he had that huge, weird, long hair. Yep. And number one by far. And it's not even, it's by a mile. Ronaldo, 2002, worst haircut of all time, by far. It's a bald head with just a front patch on it. I've never seen anything that bad. Worst is, ever. It is. And he, you know, the, the thing is that he's not a super very attractive man to start with. And then it just does nothing to help. Right. Because for example, at least Ronaldinho, like just wore dreads and that ruled. Ronaldinho did yeah, fine with that. Yeah, you know? no, that was a good look for him. That was a fine look for him. He's an ugly guy. Not a great looking dude, but you know what? A dread, dread, dread look worked. Uh, but yeah, Ronaldo accentuated his ugliness by <laughs> it's just well, it's just how can you why well, I, I don't I have no idea. I want someone to Can you imagine down. going in going into the hairdresser and and the, everyone, this is a great preview for what's to come. Yeah. About discussion of hair. So if you don't like that, then bash that yeah. unsubscribe button because <laughs> <it's terrible. laughs> or at least don't listen to the hair episode. 
<laughs> Could you imagine to Ronaldo going to sit down and be like, I want you to shave it. And uh, and he just like brushes his hand from the back of his head up to like the front third to be like right about to here. <laughs> no, 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 no further. You stop right there. Yeah. And and just make sure that everyone can see that the 90 or 90 or 80 percent of my head is shaved except for that front little bit. That's that I don't want. I want everyone to know that I made the deliberate choice not to not to shave that part of it. Right. Just awful. All timer. So we'll see what uh, we'll be following very closely. If you have images of hilarious hairstyles for the uh, uh, 2018 World Cup, please send them in. Uh, hit us up at uh, football. Yeah, actually, we have an email address if you want to uh, uh, shoot it to us. Questions at letsfixfootball.com. That exists if you want to shoot it to us. So, And we check that. So just hit us up. All right, Evan. Um, it has been great, and uh, I'll see you next week, buddy. Catch you later. Niggas fighting over range. Niggas won't be the game, but long little cheek. For a little old thing, little boys bang bang. Long little cheek. Niggas fighting over rang, niggas won't be the game. Long little cheek. Yeah, watch pretty mama while I slay my cane. Long little cheek. Uh, cockroaches in the racks. Uh, hand me downs with the patches. Mama put a little money in the matches. Taught me how to make a silver spoon out of plastic. You can either sink, swim, or be the captain. Get the last word, I'ma get the last laughing. Now they say you're dinner while you're dressing so classy. I don't want my best dressed day in a casket. You can either leave, follow, or get out the way. Make a fucking move, it will make my fucking day. Got a hundred year plan, you just think about the day. Always been about time, more than been about pay. Y'all up with me. Usain couldn't run with me. Chief come to find you, you don't come for me. At best, you can run a little company. Nigga, at worst, I could run the whole country. That's right. Pimp game like a brothel. That's why I don't judge a nigga's hustle. I Airbnb the crib like a hostel. Summer rate cheaper, cause the streets get hostile. Shut the boy. This far from a hobby boy. So, no, I won't record for your homie boy. Turn the party out like a naughty toy Then I go and hide in plain sight like a lobby boy Yes, sir, that's your dinner on the banner Riding for my niggas getting locked up in the slammer Elders saying everything's a nail to a hammer And niggas can't spell, but we know I Instagram Well done better than we'll see I read niggas well, a nigga well read Really, I ain't met nobody smarter That's why I got admitted, but I still rejected Harvard I'm the Fresh Prince in a school where they couldn't read Mama put me in a school with the Kennedys When I met Bill Clinton, I was 17 But dead presidential's all my niggas need Dining with the governor's daughter And the father say I remind him of Obama I'm the chief diplomat every day And I'm black and white, Janelle Monet. It won't be the game, but long little chief For a little old thing, little boys bang bang Long little chief Niggas fighting over ranks, niggas won't be the game, but Long little chief Now watch pretty mama while I slay my cane Long little chief